continuing. It's the last week of a series that we've been doing called Stay the Course across all six campuses. And uh, so this is the final message. Um, so today's about how, how do you stay the course when it comes to following Christ? Because really that's the goal at the end of the day. It's not getting through one year. It's not just two years or five years or even ten years. It's going all the way with Jesus to, to follow him all the days of our life. If you read through the Psalms and uh, what David talks about, Psalm 119 verses 1 to 6 says this in the message translation. If you've got the message, you can look it up or write it down and check it out on the screen. Psalm 119 says this, you're blessed when you stay the course. Everyone say blessed. You're blessed when you stay the course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. That's right. You don't go off on your own. You walk straight along the road he sets. You, you God, prescribe the right way to live. Now you expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping to the course you set. Then I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. Staying the course. David talked about you're blessed when you stay the course. When we look back on our life, we can see, yes, there's going to be ups and yes, there's going to be some downs. But we look back and we can see that our life has been blessed because we've stayed the course. Um, so you know, following Christ, is, it's not a bucket list item. Like, uh, oh yeah, I've gave my life to Jesus, I got water baptised, I did Christian Essentials, uh, tick that off, what's next? It's not like a photography course. Uh, I think I'll do photography. Um, it's about a decision to make Christ the Lord of our life and then to follow his direction and his, his purpose for our lives. Um, and Jesus is not the, the avenue, if you like, or the, the conduit, towards the main thing in life he is the main thing he is the purpose he is the reason that we do what we do Christ is not just the empowerment to get to where we need to go he is the way he is the truth and he is the life Um, so staying the course through all the seasons of life is is the goal and so I want to look at one particular thing this morning in regards to uh, how we get to the end still happy. You know, some people, you know, you see them when they're older and they say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they're grumpy. They're uh, aggro. <laughs> they're disappointed and disillusioned with life. And uh, we're glad they're going to heaven, but just don't <laughs> tell anyone that you're a Christian. <laughs> um, we want, to, we want to follow Christ and continue to be bearing fruit, continuing to love life, to love God, to love the church, to love other Christians, to love doing uh, this thing called life. Um, and yes, it's never always pretty. And yes, there's some hard times, but, but what a gift God has given us. Um, and so Ephesians 2.10, I want you to look at this scripture Ephesians 2.10, again, this is the message translation. It says this, No, we neither make nor save ourselves. We're not going to save ourselves. We can't save our own life. We 
ask Christ to come into our world and begin to show us what life is all about. He created it. He designed it. He brought us into this world. He knows what he's talking about. And so we, we ask him into our world to show us how do we make this thing work and how do we get to the end. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus. Why? To join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do work we'd better be doing. And so he saves us. He brings us into church. He connects us with the community of faith to go about an incredible purpose in life that is a part of what he has, not just for our own world, but the fulfillment of our life and our sense of significance and value and purpose and meaning comes out of being the bigger picture of God's purpose for the world. Being a part of that is where we get all those other attributes and things that we need and desire and are designed to have. They're not bad, it's how we find them that is important. Where do we get our significance from? Where do we find our value? Where do we get our sense of meaning and purpose? Um, It's got to be found in Christ. That's where it starts. And then every other thing flows out of that. Um, And so... Uh, in regards to staying the course, uh, I want to use an analogy. So there's a guy, his name was Mike Plant. There's a picture of him coming up. And he was a very, very experienced sailor, uh, sailing from the age of 11. And uh, in 1986, at the age of 41, he was, started, he was at the starting line of uh, the BOC Round the World Yacht Race. Um, and during his 27,000-mile solo voyage on a, on a boat called Airco, a 50-foot sailing boat, he won his class. In 1986, he won his class, uh, a feat that only pushed him to greater aspiration. So he, he won his class in a smaller vessel, and then he decided, you know, I want to I go for the, the, the big boats. I want to try and win uh, the first class, if you like. And so in 1987... Uh, it says in the article that I read, Mike had a new boat designed, the full-size boat, uh, had it built, had it designed, millions and millions of dollars, and uh, he was sailing it from New York to France for the start of the same race of the next year. Um, and so he, uh, he was considered one of the favourites to win the race. He was very experienced, very well known, an incredibly tenacious competitor. So he was sailing from New York to France, And he never arrived. He never arrived in France for the start of the race. When they found his boat drifting uh, out at sea, the Coast Guard reported that the 8,400-pound bulb was missing from the boat's 14-foot keel. So at the bottom of the boat is a keel, and on the bottom is often like a bulb, which acts as a ballast for the boat. Um says the loss of the bulb, a ballast fixture that keeps the boat upright in strong winds, when that came off would have turned the hull over immediately, most likely with a massive jolt, probably, and they're just surmising, probably throwing him overboard. Um, And the interesting thing I found from, uh, from reading this, and I did a lot of sailing as a, as a, young, uh, as a young guy um, in my teenagers, only on catamarans, not on single, so, uh, single hole and not out at sea, but 
um, what I, what you learn from this picture is it doesn't it doesn't matter how good a sailor you are when you're out at sea and you're in a boat like that if the ballast comes off the thing that keeps the boat upright in the wind or uh, in the heavy seas if that comes off it doesn't matter how good a sailor you are you're not going to make it that boat is going to crash it is going to capsize because there's nothing keeping it sturdy keeping it upright in the different types of weather conditions that you're going to face. Um, And life, like sailing, has to do with staying the course, is having ballast in your life that allows you, depending on the wind or the weather conditions, that you can continue to go forward no matter what is going on in your circumstances. And so one of the most important things, one of the most uh, um, vital things, if you like, when it comes to staying the course and following Christ, and there's a number of them, the one I want to focus on today, is the whole idea of being planted in the local community of faith, of being in church and involved, and not just attending church, but planted in the house of God, building the house of God, is one of the most important things in bringing ballast into our world so that when we face difficult times, that we continue to go forward. And, you know, in life, oftentimes, you know, you don't... uh, Some things just seem superfluous, don't you? I mean, you look at your car and you think, um, what do you need airbags for? I mean, seriously, how often do you need them? What a waste of money. So you can take the airbags out, but you might need that airbag one day. And so that is there to help in a certain type of condition or or time. Ballast on a boat, if the seas are calm, you can think, what do you need a ballast for? Boat's fine. But if the wind starts to blow or the seas get a little bit stormy or or choppy, all of a sudden that ballast is really, really important. I mean, what do you need a spare tyre for? How often do you get a flat? Seriously. I mean, what a waste of space. (laughs) You can get speakers in there or something. So you can take that out. You can take things out and think, I don't need this. But one day you might need that tyre. You might get that flat. Um, a few of us I mean I do a bit of cycling Jordan cycles a few, Andy's not here today cycles other, other people do cycling and you carry a spare tyre and you carry a tube and a, a tube and a, and a pump and stuff and I mean you hardly ever need it but then one you don't want to be out you know 100 kilometres away and you get a flat tyre and so oftentimes when it comes to things like being in church and, and hearing the word, being in the presence, sometimes we can think, I don't need that in my life. My life's going all right. Life's going good. What we don't realize is we're jettisoning the ballast in our world that is actually allowing us to continue to go forward. See, the ballast of a boat, you don't even see it. You don't even know it's there. It's not like it's out up on the top and you go, Wow. How awesome. What a great ballast. <laughs> uh, it's like the foundations. You know, the, you, know you spend, when you, we um, built a house oh, many years ago, our first home, we had it built. And, and, the, and you look at the bill and they're like, it's 
thousands and thousands of dollars just for the slab. You think, what a waste of money. But the rest of the house is built on that. <laughs> you don't even see it. The plumbing, it's all underground. You don't even see it, but you want plumbing, don't you? <laughs> it's very helpful when you push that button. <laughs> and so sometimes we look at our life, with, I don't need to go to church, I don't need other Christians, I, you know, I'm going all right, I'm heading in this direction, un- not realising that these are the, actually the things in our world that allow us to continue to move forward despite the seasons, despite the unexpected occurrences that occur that allow us just to continue to go forward. Doesn't mean it's not difficult, doesn't mean it's not hard, doesn't mean it's not upsetting at, at times, um, but they're there in the house of God, in the presence of God, connected with other believers, sharing, believing, praying, encouraging, lifting one another up. That's what makes you be able to continue to go forward in and out of season. You know, the Titanic. I was reading a report about the Titanic and they were saying that uh, in the inquiry, post-disaster inquiry, it was revealed that White Star Line, who owned the Titanic, removed the, the life rafts off the deck to provide unobstructed views for the passengers and give the ship a more aesthetic look from the exterior. They never considered that this ship could, have, could sink. And so I thought, what do, we need all these, what do we need all these life rafts for? There was, only enough, there was only enough life rafts for less than half of the passengers that were on the boat. And so they thought, oh, let's get rid of all these life rafts because the boat's going to look so much better from the outside. And sometimes we jettison things out of our world. We stop doing things because we just think, oh, you know, I don't, I don't have time for this. I don't have time. You know, I'm, I want to streamline my life so that I can go to where I want to go and do what I need to do. And so, you know, I don't need to be connected in a church and connect group and prayer meeting and all these things, you know. I don't have time for all of that. Not realising that what we're jettisoning is the most important things when times get tough. So, come on, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Um, and so... Being planted in the house of God, connected in, day in, day out, is, uh, well, not every day, but, you know, where, where, where every week we're saying we're in the house of God. We're raising our family in the house of God. We're building relationships in the house of God uh, is just a mindset that we need to hold on to when many people today are jettisoning the whole concept of being planted in the house. In fact, a recent survey was saying that um, many people consider going to church once a month as being a regular member of a congregation. And the reality is that just being planted once a month, that's not, that's not a commitment, that's a hobby. <laughs> it's gone quiet. Church is not supposed to be the spiritual answer to Bunnings. Where we, where we go when we think, hey, I need to go and get something to DIY my life. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to get a bit of motivation and I, I might get a bit of encouragement and, you know, oh, I need a bit of this. And, and so we come to church like it's Bunnings and getting what we need to go off and, and build our own life. That's not what church is about. 
It's not the spiritual answer to Bunnings, and it's not about attending church. Jesus said to be the church. So we're not just attending. We're not just kind of, oh, yeah, I can get a bit of this, I can get a bit of that. We are the church. We're not saved to, to just attend church and sit on the sidelines, but to say, you know what, I want to be part of the big picture that God has for planet Earth, and that is the church. The church is the, pl- the answer for the world. That's his vehicle. It is his plan A. He has no plan B. And so we don't just come to attend church. We come to be the church. We come to be equipped. We come to encourage. We come to build each other up and then to go out into our community and make a difference. To be the church, not just here, but in the world, in our workplace, in our in, in the lives of our friends or family or, or people that are in our world. We're not redeemed by the blood of Jesus upon his great cross to come to church like it's a big day out concert or a Robbie Williams concert. We're like, yeah, come on, that's awesome. All right, I've done that. Let's, uh, let's move on. Or attend a game of football. We're saved to be the church. I love the quote by Genghis Khan, that great pacifist. <laughs> Genghis Khan in his well not his autobiography but it said legend has it Genghis Khan was asked he always used to ride at the front of his troops into battle and he would lead them in as did Alexander the Great if you've read anything about Alexander the Great but uh, and they was asked why do you always ride at the front with the troops into battle and risking your life when you're the leader of the whole tribe. And he said this, we are the Mongols. With the Mongols, everybody rides and everybody fights, no matter who you are, because our future depends on it. Everybody fights, everybody rides, no matter who you are, because our future depends upon it. As the church, our future depends on exactly the same attitude. Everybody rides, Everybody fights, everybody's involved, everybody builds, everybody makes it happen because our future depends on it. Not a couple of people that are making everything happen and we look to them and clap and go, oh, go for it, well done. No, we are the church. Everybody rides, everybody fights because our future depends on that. You were, yeah, that's worth a clap, I reckon. (laughs) This is supposed to be a two-way thing. You're not just sitting there watching me perform. You're supposed to be going, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, that's preaching. That's right. Everyone claps. <laughs> and so in, in, rela- in relation to our connection to church and understanding that, that being involved and being connected and working together, not just attending, but building and serving and being the church, we've got to understand that that's what we were created for. We were created for ministry. And that doesn't necessarily mean preaching, but the word ministry just means, in its original language, means to serve. We're all called to roll up our sleeves and to say, come on, let's take this thing forward. Let's be the church. Let's be that answer. That's why, you know, that news from Steve and the, you know, it's just so ex- exciting and, and, uh, heartwarming as a pastor when you know our congregation 
when there's a need up in Roselle and I was contacting the lady that's running all the finances for that thing, one of the local residents, and she was just amazed that we had raised $2,000 in one offering. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and she's like, thank you so much. You know, that, that means so much. And to be part of a congregation that says, you know what, we're going to put our money where our mouth is. We're going to invest, and not just financially, but we're going to meet needs in this community to change lives. Uh, Friday, I was out with a lady that oversees C3 Cares across our campuses. Uh, she's based out at Silverwater and uh, looking at how we can uh, implement a C3 care centre in this area, maybe not in Roselle, but maybe in Glebe, so all around Glebe. And a care centre has uh, like a food bank, has uh, counselling for uh, people that are affected by different things, um, a CAP centre, which is Christians Against Poverty, helping people with finances, and, and putting a, a centre in a place like Glebe that has high levels of housing commission so that we can actually begin to meet physical needs in our community, changing lives one life at a time. And so hopefully we're going to look at doing something for that next year and be uh, reaching out into that community and showing the love of Christ in practical ways, not just preaching at people, but saying, hey, we're here, we're investing our life, our time, our energy, our money, because we believe in you, we believe in the church, we believe the church is the answer for the world, and here we are. Yeah? So I'll keep you updated about that. Um, So you were created for ministry. Did I read Ephesians 2.10? I did read it. Um, Did I read? Oh, I did, yeah. Um, (laughs) So we were created to join Jesus in his work. And what's his work? Matthew 16.18 says this. I will attend my church and once a month the gates of hell will not prevail against it. (laughs) Is that what it says? Matthew 16 says, it doesn't say I will attend my church. It says I will build my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How do the gates not prevail? Because every person says, you know what? I'm going to build the house. I'm going to invest. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I'm going to be on the field, not in the stands cheering from the sideline, which is awesome to be an encourager, but there's nothing like being on the ground, being in the battle, feeling the sweat and the, and the, the tension and taking that ball forward. To use a football analogy, it's football season at the moment. Um, but to, to use what God's given us to make a difference, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of others. Every gift, every talent, Every ability that we have been given by God is for the building and the extension of his kingdom through the church. Yes, we, he allows us to use those gifts to make money and bless our own lives and stuff, but that's not what they're for. They were given to make a difference in the world, first and foremost. And everything over and above that, our intellect or our ability to study, to get an education, to get equipped, to get a great job, to earn lots of money, or whether we're a tradesperson or whether we've got other skills, visual, visual or arts or all of these things, or a compassion or, or uh, gifts of leadership, gifts of finance, gifts of administration. The Bible talks about all these gifts and we use them to bless our own lives, which is fine and good, but that's not why we're given them. 
just so that we can accumulate more for ourselves, but that we can use and invest those gifts and abilities to build the church and to see God's purpose and plan come to pass in planet Earth, in Jesus' name. Um, and we're all different. We've all got different things. And like the pieces of a chessboard, you've been shaped to play a part. You like that? <laughs> In a game of chess, you've got different pieces and those different pieces play a different part. You don't want all kings on a chessboard, do you? For what? <laughs> yeah, checkmate would be hard, but they only move one square that way or that way unless you've got a rook. And so even, even to move two spaces, they need another piece. Um, imagine if you had all pawns as well. You'd lose every time. Uh, you don't want a team full of bishops because then you can only go diagonal. <laughs> so many spots on the board, you can't go. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Does anyone not play chess? <laughs> I'm talking about chess. If you don't know chess, then you're not going to have a clue about what I'm talking about. <laughs> there we go. Um, maybe I should talk about uh, Candy, Cush or Candy Crush or something like that. <laughs> um, so anyway, getting back to chess, chess like life, like the church, is you want to have different shaped pieces that can do different things to, do, to be able to cover the game and have a strategy to win. And the church is just like that. We don't want everybody the same. We don't want everybody thinking the same, acting the same, doing the same. You have different people that have different skills and different abilities and, and, and different temperaments and different focuses that all come together to go forward with one vision and one purpose and one plan to work together to win the game. That's what it's about. And that's what the church is supposed to be like. And so every time we don't bring our peace to the table... Then, the, then, then that's one piece that we don't have to win the game. When a, when a piece in a game of chess, when the piece is not on the board and off to the side, you know what they call that? You've lost the piece. That's what happens when the queen or whatever from the other team comes across and lands on your square and takes your piece. You take that piece and you stick it on the side of the board. That piece can no longer be utilised in the game. So when we're sitting on the sideline, maybe just observing or, or turning up to church, which is great, and a first step and a first part of our calling as a Christian is to come into the house of God and get saved and water baptized and fill with the Holy Spirit and discover what God's gifts and talents that he's given us. But then it's saying, you know, I want to I be on the table. I want to be in the game. I want to be taking up one of those squares and to be utilized to move this team forward to make a difference. Um, so, thank you. So, you know, you don't want to have a chess game where you've only got one piece or two pieces. You want the whole team and you need the whole complement of pieces to be the most effective that you can be. So I want to encourage you this morning, when it comes to staying the course, when it comes to getting to the end, one of the most critical things, and yes, there's prayer and Bible reading and you know, there's a whole bunch of non-negotiables, if you like, that, that are, we need to be participating in. But I'm telling you, being planted in the house of God, turning up, encouraging and being encouraged, feeling the presence of God, hearing 
preaching, the Word of God coming at us where revelation begins to flow is vital if we're going to make it to the end. It's vital. And it's not just about making it to the end. It's not just about saying, oh, I made it and I'm going to heaven. It's about being effective for God, making what we've got count so that it multiplies beyond what we have. And there's numerous parables that Jesus gave about taking the seed or the gifts or the talents that we have and what we do with them, whether we bury them in the ground or whether we use them and invest them to to bring about more increase and and, and greater um, return on what's been given. So I want to encourage you this morning, and uh, in, in some ways it's a message for the converted because you're here, and the people that should be hearing it are not. But well, not this week. Um, but uh, I want to encourage you to just say, you know what? Oftentimes we think certain things are not necessary in our life. Sometimes we might think, oh, I don't need to go to church all the time. Um, I, don't, I only need to hear a message every now and again. I, I, I just need. To. But that's an att- that's an attending mindset. I'm just going to attend that service. But we come because we're investing. Um, and just you being here, you might think, oh, I don't even feel like coming. Just you being here blesses other people. So when you don't turn up, then other people are affected, if you know what I mean. And so you might think, oh, I don't need anything. But we don't just come to get what we need for the week. We come to say, you know what, me turning up is encouraging other people. And so imagine uh, when this place is full and all the seats are full and there's seats all the way up here and because you've brought somebody or you're turning up and we can think, oh, I'm superfluous, I don't really need to be there, there's other people there. No, every time we turn up, we affect other people because other people go, oh, where's such and such or so-and-so is not here or their kids aren't in kids' church or or what's happening and we're raising our family and our kids and, and ourselves to say, you know what, we're in the house of God, we're building the house of God, we are committed to God's plan and purpose for the rest of our lives and we're going to stay the course. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning.